Red alert! All hands on deck! Good morning, sir. <laughs> Thank I... you for getting together again to do this. I really apologize. This time I can see that it's actually working. You're listening to Just One of Them There Guys. The place for the penultimate episode covering US-1. He's bound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal. Some never mind them breaks. Let it all hang out cause we got a run to make. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta and there's beer in Texarkana. And we'll bring it back no matter what it takes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just One of Them There Guys, a US1 podcast hosted by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. My name is Sean Eagle, and my job here today is to cover the US1 comics. Yes, the Maxi series. About a trucker with a metal plate in his head that allows him to receive CB signals. And his merry cast of, well, almost redneck stereotype friends. Today we're going to be covering issues 9 and 10 of the uh, comic book series. The, uh, I guess this is essentially the penultimate episode, where, where things are revealed, people are shown to be, well, who they weren't supposed to be, and just in general, it's all coming to an end. We've only got these four issues left, and so far it's been a really great run. I can't wait to get to talk about it. And of course, this time out, I can't wait to get to talk with my good friend, who's my co-host on this podcast, Mr. Jay Ferguson. Hey, Jay. Nice to talk to you, uh, sadly, again about this. <sighs> call this take two. Once more with feeling. Yes. Yeah, uh, we had a little problem with Skype and recording and whatever, so we're doing this again. So if it if it doesn't sound as uh, well off the cuff as it usually does, it's because we probably said these things. But we're hoping to make it an interesting show for all of you out there, because I know this comic has been really interesting for me. So, if you are ready, we will go ahead and do our obligatory podcast promo break. Uh, go away for a couple of these promos, and then when we come back, I've got coverage of US-1 number 9. We've got a long way to go, and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound up, watch our bandit run. Wow, I'm really glad I decided to pony up and take my wife to Italy for her birthday. The food, the sights, the atmosphere, it's all just so perfect. <sighs> Too bad I had to ask if there was a comic book shop located at the Vatican. Uh, maybe it wasn't the brightest thing to do on her birthday, but granted, I'm certain I've done things way more foolish than that. Good afternoon. Gah! Where did you come from and who the heck are you? My name is Dufo de Manzo. Where I come from is none of your concern. What is of your concern is that I have an offer to make of you. An offer that you should not refuse. Uh, okay. What is it? I have listened to your podcasts, and it just so happens that I am in the podcasting business myself. Someday I will ask a favor of you, one that I hope you will repay to me in good faith. When you do so, 
You will become a part of my family, and your show will prosper along with it. Oh, that sounds great. What do I need to do? You will know when the time is right. Until then, I wish you and your lovely wife the happiest of times in my fair country. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Some time has passed. And that does it for another episode of Just One of the Guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I'll catch you all next week. Bravo. Bravo. God! Bravo. How, how the hell did you find me, and how did you get in my house? Do not worry yourself with such trivial matters. I have seen your work with this podcast, and I have come to accept the favor that is owed to me. Uh, but you never said what you wanted from me. That is true, so let me restate it now. Wait, what? I have started up a brand new podcasting venture entitled Two True Freaks. I am setting them up with their own website, twotruefreaks.com. And I am gathering a podcast such as yours that have gained my favor to become a part of the Two True Freaks podcast network. I will do the honor of putting the Just One of the Guys on the Two True Freaks network. And in return, our debt will be settled. Oh, okay. Hey, wait, what debt? Do you accept my offer? Uh, sure. I mean, does this mean I'll get paid for the show finally? No. Oh, okay. Well, does it mean I'll get some cannoli? Of course. The DiManzo family originated cannoli. In fact, we are known the world over for our stuffing of creamy fillings in the tubes. Come check out Just One of the Guys every Friday at 2TrueFreaks.com. The Vietnam War, a conflict that changed America. Of those who served, many came back irrevocably changed, while many did not come back at all. This is their story. Marvel Comics presents The Nam. Join me, Tom Panneries, for In Country, a podcast that covers Marvel Comics series, The Nom. Each episode, I will recap and review one issue of the series, as well as provide historical context that's important to understanding the events behind the story. Along the way, I will also take a look at the movies, music, and literature surrounding the Vietnam War. New episodes are posted every two weeks at incountry.podomatic.com. You can find show notes and other media at popcultureaffidavit.com. And we are back. And... Honestly, I actually forgot about this. Uh, let me pull up my email. Yes, we have an email, and this email comes from Tom Panneries. He's the host of, oh, Taking Flight, a Robin and Nightwing podcast. He's the host of In Country, a podcast about the NOM, and he's the host of Pop Culture Affidavit. It's it's a really interesting series of shows, especially the NOM. I've been enjoying the heck out of that one. Uh, it's covering the 
1980s version of the Nom written by, oh, it's not written by Larry Hama, but Larry Hama has something to do with it. And Michael Golden, who's associated with this book, you know, uh, has uh, is doing artwork inside. So it's uh, it's been a fun listen. Uh, if you get a chance, go check out Tom's podcast. They're all awesome to listen to. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think his. Uh, now that I remember, I, th- I believe the second season of uh, Taking Flight has uh, just started. That's as true. We're, as we're recording this, mm-hmm. uh, I don't. Yeah. Well, well, this should be coming there out. Might here. Be, there might even be another one. I don't know. By yeah, the time I'm, this comes I'm, out, I forget how often that comes out when it does. <sighs> I think Tom was trying to make it sort of biweekly. I know he went on a little hiatus because he had uh, mm-hmm. a schoolwork. I think he's a teacher. I don't know whether he's in uh, high school or whether it's college, but I know he does some teaching. So I think he had to take a little time off for that. But uh, now he's back and he's doing uh, more stuff about Robin. and It's it's a fun show. Definitely go check it mm-hmm. out. But he has just a little short email that uh, – relates to one of the uh, topics that we talked about on the last episode, I think. He says, Sean and Jay, only eat menudo if you've ever wondered what it would be like to eat the contents of your high school gym locker. Wow. <laughs> that That's harsh. I, I You know, I guess I've, I know I've asked you this before, but have you ever tried menudo? I, I just can't wrap my head around it. No, I, I have not. I, I Though, I, I have had to try it. Okay. And, uh, I enjoy I enjoy it quite a quite a bit, but certainly an acquired taste. Something you know you might uh, not n- that may not be for everybody. But I'm still pretty sure it tastes better than the contents of your gym locker, unless you have a gym locker that is full of tasty food. In which case, <laughs> probably that would taste better. Yes. Yeah, I can. Imagine. Yeah, I I love myself some some good Mexican food, but when I see you know, when I see at my local restaurant menudo on the uh, menu, I I have to go for the go for the other things. You know, a nice a nice fajita, you know, mm-hmm. would obviously tempt me more than menudo. But eh, well, there you go. To, it's an acquired it's an acquired taste, and I guess to each their own. So there you go. Yeah. But uh, thanks, Tom, for writing in with an email. If you guys want to write in for an email, you can write to the sister side of the show, which is just one of the guys podcast at gmail.com. I'll get that letter. And if you get it in by uh, our next recording time, which would be, well, in a couple of months, we'll be able to uh, get that out on our, sadly, on our final episode. Man, we're coming up on it quick. Tears, tears, tears. I know. But but we do have some good stuff to look forward to in these next couple issues. And the the issue we're going to start off with is obviously US 1, number 9. It was cover dated April 1984 and released on January 3rd, 1984. The cover price was 60 cents in the US. Uh, The title was Big Mac Attack. That's, That's Mac as in like Mac truck, but I see the pun they're going for. Uh, the writer was Al Milgram. The guest penciler was Alan Kupperberg. Inker was Mike Esposito. Letterer was Janice Chang. Colorist George Russos. Editor Ralph Macchio. And dispatcher was Jim Shooter. Willing from the death, which they're mostly responsible for, of Taryn O'Connell, the denizens of the shortstop, Papa Wheelie, Wide Load Annie, Ulysses Solomon Archer, and... Retread gaze upon the countenance of purple hot pants wearing Midnight. Grabbing her hypno-whip, Midnight berates them all for the, their belief that Terran was actually the one who was trying to take down U.S. and plans to use the whip to mind-control them all. 
But before she can do that, U.S. shoves some shortstop customers into Midnight in an attempt to knock her over. This spurs on the heroic Medici, Papa and Retread, causing them to enter the fray and immediately slip on their asses in the freshly laid oil slip. Midnight fares no better and slips in the slick as well, but not before a lash from her hypno-whip miraculously brings Terran back to life. Midnight says her Lazarus-like recovery won't take as she plans on finishing her off for good, but U.S. diverts her attention by using a CB skull to drive U.S. 1 into the female antagonist. Meanwhile, the firm of Clutch, Grab, and Legreed are standing by the side of the road waiting for an accomplice to aid them in obtaining the shortstop. The trio is shocked, shocked I say, to find that their help is coming from the Zeppelin flying, drum major cross playing, German fop, Baron von Blin, who greets the group with his stereotypical salute. The Baron offers the trio to come along with him on his mission to destroy US, and they all climb aboard the Baron's airship. While this is going on, both scenes are being surveyed by the mysterious highwayman, who now heads out in his black rig to engage in battle with US. While this is going on, the whole enchilada is being watched by the alien from issue 5, who is in orbit above the planet with his armada, awaiting the outcome of the fight. Back at the shortstop, Midnight has been able to use the Hypno Whip to enthrall Papa, Annie, and Retread. But before she can get to US, Terran disarms her with some hot girl-on-girl wrestling action. Midnight counters by calling her minions to retrieve her whip, but before that happens, Baron Von Blimp arrives and releases... Wait for it... Nazi soldiers to attack our heroes. Wondering what the f*** is up with Baron Von Blimp, the Vulture slash Clutch derides him for using the most hated soldiers ever to attack the shortstop, and the Baron counters saying that he just likes their uniforms. Back on the ground, the eternal battle between Nazis and truckers rages on, with U.S. desperately trying to override the effects of the hypno whip. Suddenly, a bolt of energy from his CB skull shorts out the whip, freeing his friends and shocking his enemies. With Midnight immobilized, Terran takes the opportunity to remove her mask and wig, revealing the psycho cyclist to be... Wait for it... Barry McGrill, the shortstop waitress. But before Terran can deliver the hammers of justice to Mary's face, U.S. stops her, saying that the blonde bus babe is under some sort of mind control. And who could be behind Mary's mind control? Well, none other than the man U.S. has been searching for since the beginning of this series, The Highwayman. Nice reveal at the end of the book. Um, you kind of had to figure that Mary, being the only one not around, was probably going to be Midnight. And I think we kind of alluded to that this time. But I remember you also mentioned that you didn't think that she was in her right mind. So you nailed that part. I mean, you know, yeah, I thought she might have just had something against U.S. But it's obvious at the end of this that she's being manipulated in some way. Yep. So it seems. Mm-hmm. But uh, so far, I, I Alan Kupperberg is coming in to do the artwork on the book, and his art isn't that different from uh, Springer's. 
I think it's a little more detailed in the background, and it still is aping the the entire Marvel style. There's a lot of Kirbyisms put in there, but uh, it's it's some pretty good stuff. Um, do you want to go ahead and uh, just go through the notes of the issue? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, we start on page one with a pretty, uh, probably the 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 best splash we've had so far. That really just. Um, Pretty much explains uh, everything you need to know. Taryn is dead, lying on the ground. She's not Midnight, and Midnight is there about to kick all kinds of butt. And mm-hmm. it's pretty great. Yeah, it, it's a really good it's a really good composition. I like the way Copperbird draws his females. Midnight really looks really looks good and and the characters are all in the typical sort of shocked Marvel style pose. Uh and and I, thankfully, there's a lot of background put back there. It's uh, you know, in in the next issue, when when Springer comes back, we'll see a splash kind of like this, and it will be kind of devoid of background. And it kind of you know, even just the little line work, the little scratches like underneath them, showing showing shadowing under the characters, gives a lot more feel to the uh, to the image. I mean, at least for me, it does. And then I think that we do we do get. Um on both this page and the next one uh the probably i think i think the biggest problem with copperberg uh versus springer the the thing that copperberg does not really do as well which um is the hypno whip which under under springer's pencils uh, uh looks very i mean looks much more like you know a piece of some sort of cord or wire and it's it, it looks, I don't know, it, it just looks a lot more mechanical. It looks a lot better. And the way that Copperberg draws it, it just looks kind of like a weird tentacle with a little diddly bobs on it. I don't know. And it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't look quite the same. And I don't think it looks quite as good. But with the, uh, with the Springer one, it looked, it had that kind of look of the McFarlane spider mm-hmm. webbing. It, it was yeah. thin and had the little knots in it. But this one, yeah, it does look very tube-like or very tentacle-like, especially at the tip. It's got the little, it comes to a point. But yeah, it, it is kind of off. On mm-hmm. that second page, and surprisingly this time, I, I have to mention, they've actually numbered the pages. So mm-hmm. that's that kind of helps you know future people who are doing podcasts about this, you know, make reference to where things are mm-hmm. on this they page. totally they totally knew about podcasts in 1983 well i yeah, so. <laughs> i wouldn't doubt that uh jim shooter was on top of this thing he he knows this kind of stuff that's but, true i mean he started on the legion of superheroes so mm-hmm. you know he knows about the future yeah he knows about the well he knows all the way into the 30th century so there exactly. you go. um i like how midnight is accusing all of the people for uh killing terran here and everyone has they're sort of legitimate excuses or legitimate gripes uh, back to midnight, except for Retread, who's just he's just baked on this one panel here. You know, uh, you know, uh, midnight accuses him, and he can't come back with a, a response other than uh, "I'm I'm sorry." It's because mm-hmm. he's just stoned out of his gourd. I I just can't stand this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we said last time something about uh, that. Uh, we were, we, or at least I, I think I did say that, that, that I was, I was hoping that this is, uh, it's going to really mess him up. And so then he'll just spend the rest of the series 
in, in a straitjacket in in, a, in a, an asylum thing. Oh, the purple woman, the purple woman, and 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 uh, you know, just get out of our hair. And I think we would all all be better for that. But uh, who knows? Who yes, knows? I, I would prefer that myself. If midnight were suddenly struck, you know, incapable of actually doing anything. And yeah, you mean retread? Oh yeah, yeah, retread. <laughs> oh, who did I say? You said midnight. Midnight. No, no. Midnight's a fun character. Uh-huh. Retreads awful. I like uh, on the next page again. I like the uh, Kirby poses uh, down mm-hmm. there with uh, sadly with retread, but Papa Wheelie has the sort of thing running thing. Although again, the fact that he's kind of in overalls and kind of chunky really doesn't make him look anything like the thing. But it's the same kind of pose. So they're aping Kirby again, and that's always a nice. That's always kind of a nice one. Mm-hmm. And of course, the the lovely uh, top panel where US pushes a bunch of customers over Terran's dead body to uh, knock Midnight into the oil slick, mm-hmm. which is yeah, yeah, kind, it's... Of, kind of suspect. Not not exactly the um, uh, Spider-Man uh, good time morality. I think uh, a no. little little bit of a harder edge. But I think he's taking, you know, he's taking assessment of you know what's around him, and he's using what he has to try and take her out. Yeah, it's not, it's not really polite, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the but the uh, artwork here is really nice. You can actually really feel uh, in the in the page or in this panel the kind of force that U.S. is using. They really Kupperberg really does a good job of conveying the the motion of this panel. So I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to the next page, the only thing that I've got is the bottom panel here where, uh, the hypno whip has suddenly revived Terran for whatever reason. Let's just, it's magic mm-hmm. or wizards, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and, and at the bottom, you know, uh, Annie is, uh, cradling Terran in her in her left arm and with her right arm she's got her fist raised and it looks like she's doing the Arsenio Hall dog pound cheer it's mm-hmm. just you know it, it predates the show by at least I'd say at least five or so years because I don't think Arsenio Hall came out until and you know since we're doing this again I should have went and looked that up but uh, laziness mm-hmm. so but it's I just find it amusing that Wide Lone Annie would be sitting there doing kind of the the woof 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 woof. I can't do a thing. Mm-hmm. I am pretty sure that you know the uh, you know de- defibrillation is a uh, difficult process, and uh, I don't know how exactly we are supposed to believe that this uh, this uh, hypnotic whip device uh, is bringing her back, especially when it appears in the panel that it, it does it, that uh, it's about, uh, it's several inches away from her in uh, most places. And yeah, I it's, 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 uh, yes, like you said, magic and wizards and, and, and science. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, I think the entire idea behind defibrillation is to pass a current to the heart causing, causing the electrical impulses to restart, which will start contracting again. Mm-hmm. That usually has to, you know, have a flow of electricity. That's why they have the two paddles, one placed in a certain place and one placed in another. So yeah, technically this shouldn't work, but yeah, just 
wizards. Just go with that. Mm-hmm. That's the answer to everything. I didn't have anything on the next page where U.S. summons the truck with uh, uh, his uh, CB skull. Did you have anything on that? Yeah, just that um, in the third panel there is some pretty great eyebrow acting where he is going like, e in the one at the... Like, like they can see what I'm doing with my face, obviously. Um, but he has, you know, it's really hard uh, against the microphone, and they can tell. Right, right. Um, on the yeah, and he's got his 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 left eyebrow is uh, is a little bit up, and the right eyebrow is like. It's it's a it's a good it's a good panel here of him really concentrating, and when are, you you can tell that he's really uh, trying to concentrate and trying to ma- manipulate things because uh, the. You know, his uh, hair goes away and you see the image of his uh, metal plate, the CB skull in there. So whenever you see that, you've got this realization that he's trying to access something with the CB skull. skull. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like the, uh, the you know, it's his uh, little lines that show you his spider senses working. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what I was going for as well. The next page, we've got the uh, the firm of Clutch, Grab, and Legreed. And I just find it amusing that rather than you know meeting at oh some sort of secret warehouse or their business club or wherever, they're going to meet this person who's going to help them for whatever reason take over the shortstop, like at a roadside rest stop. I don't think even a roadside rest stop. I think that they're just well no there's other no it's just there are three cars they're just parked at the side of the road, waiting for this person to come help them with their evil plotting scheme i it just amuses me mm-hmm. yeah no, it even it even even says uh on this lonely stretch of highway so yeah no it doesn't doesn't sound like that's even they they may not even have have uh pulled off the road yeah, yeah they had to go somewhere where no one you know will come and encounter them which just doesn't make any sense if they're gonna if they're gonna do this in secret don't would they have like Places where you could sit down on leather chairs and not be uh, accosted by the weather or anything, but uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we can as we can see, apparently, um, oh man, I forget which one it is now. Um, but the the guy who who in the uh, previous issues looked like he was uh, Stephen Fry has now turned into. Newt Gingrich, um, again, <laughs> almost almost uh, ten years or so before um, he came to big prominence by being elected Speaker of the House, again showing that uh, either Alan Copperberg or Al Milgram uh, can see the future. So that's yeah, pretty it, cool. It definitely does look like Newt Gingrich, which I guess also plays in, you know, with his sort of evil nature. So there you go. Yeah. Although I don't know if I don't know if uh, Newt Gingrich ever smoked stogies, but you know maybe he did back in 1980. Could have been. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. But that that leads us into the next page where we get the uh, Baron von Blimp's Zeppelin flying over, and of course I, I forgot to mention on that prior mm-hmm. page we get the mm-hmm. the trope of the Superman line where the the three villains are looking up at the sky and saying it's a bird, it's a plane, not even close, boys. It's it's a Zeppelin. <laughs> it, it's always fun when they take those tropes and kind of mix them up. But yeah, you've got Baron Von Blimp's sort of Jaws-looking shark Zeppelin. And the Baron comes climbing down on his rope ladder and gives 
gives the Nazi salute. Ah, yes, I know mm-hmm. going for yeah for him being a, a ridiculous German stereotype, but you know, it's just sometimes mm-hmm. it bugs me. Yeah, but of course he's so fat and so lazy that he can't even manage to uh, get his his uh, sikhiling quite quite all the way up like it should be it is just kind of about halfway halfway there because exactly. he's a lazy <laughs> lazy fat man in a ridiculous suit yeah it is it is pretty good yeah probably the weight of that uh that a forearm doesn't or maybe the suit's just so tight in the arms that he can't mm-hmm. move without ripping out the you know the sleeves or ripping out on yeah. his so there you go. I mean, with all those metals too, I mean like who knows? I mean that could be really heavy. That's true. Um moving on in the next page, we get the guys uh going up with uh the Baron. I didn't really have anything on this page. Do you have on uh page yeah. eight? Um, yeah, not too much. Just, just, uh, that I really do like, um, there's some great, great facial expressions out of the Baron and, uh, uh, that we can actually see the fact that, uh, his beard is combed over his ears, which is kind of amusing to me. But other than that, that's really about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, moving on to the next page, I do like the sort of aspect of uh, the highwayman looking over. He's got a, he's got a very Morbius, the, uh, you know, the living vampire look here, especially mm-hmm. with him being in shadows. But the one thing that I don't get, and it's a trope of a lot of comic books is he has this wall of monitors where he has images of the faces of pretty much all the antagonists and protagonists in the book. We've got midnight us one Terran. We've got the fight going on up at the top. We've got <sighs> Reed. We've got uh, the three villains. We've got, I guess it's Clutch, the Greed, and the Baron. We've got the blimp up there. I just wonder how in the world does he get these cameras all over the place, and how, where are they shooting from? And the whole the whole reality behind this just doesn't make sense. But if I guess if you just take it, you know, you can mm-hmm. see these things. Just go with it. That's fine. Maybe that I think. Thing, I think- Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, maybe that big, you know, upside down Tesla ball thing that's hanging from the ceiling is what's doing it. Maybe mm-hmm. that's it. So, yeah, it is a really good question. Why is he watching Retread? I mean, uh, I guess maybe some of the characters perhaps have, have some sort of soft hearted or soft headed perhaps interest in Retread. But, but why does why does the highwayman care? Because, I mean, I think. He's smart enough to know, I think, that this this acid casualty is is not a problem for his uh, his plans. So I don't know. No, I don't I, know why he's he's so interested. I don't think maybe, maybe he just likes his uh, terrible terrible haircut. Maybe maybe he's just a completionist and feels like he has to uh, right, watch right. over everyone. So retread just sadly has to be in there. It's kind of like you know. That, that run of comics that you love, but there's that one issue that's just really crap in there and you have to get it. Issue three. Yes, it's issue, it's issue three. Oh, Lord. Yes. Let's not go back over that. But this leads to the next page in this, uh, these top three panels, which is really cool. We see uh, the highwayman going to his uh, black rig, his version of US-1, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the it, it, you get a really a really nice sort of vampire vibe with him 
drawing his cloak up over himself. That's really cool. I like it. And the shadow, the shadowing looks really good. The fact that you never really get a distinct view of his face until later is nice. And then, and then we see that, uh, you know, the, the, the alien that we thought, uh, was complete was completely unimportant and was just a just a fun little bit of business in issue five apparently it's uh the the guy who's been watching the highwayman all along and uh which uh, is kind of a kind of interesting i mean uh there's most of the reveals that we get um in these issues are you know seem seem fairly um not come completely out of left field but uh this one, I'm gonna guess, it's it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this the, the I I will agree with you. The the alien character from number five was just sort of a weird, trippy addition to it, and I didn't really pay it any mind until right now when we realize that that the alien is here and has some sort of ulterior motive. And I'm kind of wondering if uh, from that last issue that we covered in the last episode, I guess issue number eight, the person who was sitting and watching the highwaymen if he was actually these aliens up here and their little armada that they've got flying, I guess, well, it does see in that, uh, on page, uh, 11 Mm -hmm. in that middle panel, it doesn't look like they're flying over earth. It looks maybe more like Jupiter because it's sort of that orange and purple, but yeah, they've got a pretty, pretty nice armada of ships out there to take out earth. if They needed to be. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really, really, uh, yeah, I don't, don't quite know what's going on here. It's certainly a, um, mystery that I hope will be solved in the, uh, the, the, the final, uh, issues. I'm I, I hope so, but it, it'd kind of be a bummer if they just, you know, brought these characters in and just didn't explain why they were here. But, you know, who knows? Um, one of the weird things or one of the, another common thing that they've done, and I think they pulled this gag before. On the bottom couple of panels of this and then the panel on the next page, they have the the pun of using the whip to make sounds. And, of course, when they take over Papa, Retread, and White Lord Annie, the sounds are snap, crackle, and pop. So I think they used that before. Was that in? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was that was, uh, yeah, issue was six, that... I think, with uh, Iron Mike. Yeah, Iron Mike, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess if it if it if it works, you might as well go with again. But then then on that next page, we get we get some hot girl on girl oil wrestling action. And I, I've got to say that last panel, Taryn, she fights dirty. She's just taking a chunk out of Midnight's arm there. It's just in fact, the uh, the little cat or the little onomatopoeia down there is Nash. <laughs> Wow, she's she's bad. I love that. Mm-hmm. Then moving, you know, uh, moving on to the next page, you know, we've got the got the characters coming out of the short stop and being all peeved and all that. I really don't have that much of a uh, note until what the page after that. I guess fourteen, the the panel where Baron von Blimp is. Uh, sort of monologuing about his master plan. And this is going to get me in trouble with uh, one of my co-hosts over the over at the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, the, the horror show that I do. Mm-hmm. An excellent show that uh, everyone should listen to because Definitely. it is excellent. And Thank good. you. 
but uh, one of my co-hosts over there, his name's uh, Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. And I don't mean this as an insult. I think he could definitely pull this off. But if he wanted to go as Baron Von Blimp as a cosplay thing, that would be totally awesome. He could pull that out because he's he he's he's not really that tall. He's very stocky. He's got this kind of look, and I think he could pull this off perfectly. And he could, you know, I I can't remember. He he was growing a bit of a beard before, and I think if he could shave it in this kind of thing, he would look incredibly awesome. And he can do a German accent as well, so that'd be cool as well. And a and like a fakey German accent, which the Baron seems to be doing here. I love that. I love. I really do love that panel though, where he's he's uh you know pontificating at the. I mean, just his hand up in the air, and, just, and and but he's still just looks uh, kind of tiny and insignificant, even though. Uh, well, especially with the the three villains in the background, you know, you can tell uh, from the perspective that they're far in the background, but they don't look much smaller than he is. So, mm-hmm. plus you've also got the the way the panels framed. It's a kind of shot from the floor and it's an up, mm-hmm. you know, an up camera shot technically. And, uh, it, it's even done. It even does more to sort of make him look taller. But even with all of that, he looks really diminutive. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. But that leads to the, uh, to the next page. Unless you've got anything else on this page. No, no. Okay. That's because this is, this is where it goes off the rails. Mm hmm. This is uh, yes, I believe I said last time. This is the the yeah the, t- the title of the next great uh, new trauma movie. Blimp Nazis must die. <laughs> oh God, yes, that would be so fun. But yeah, out of the out of the airship come just on on well not on zip lines on uh, they're repelling out of the ship, just sliding down these ropes or these wires. Just this gaggle of nazis <laughs> and it's it sounds ridiculous but it kind of works you kind of got to think that the baron would actually employ people to eat that were either nazis or at least dressed up like nazis to do his nefarious plans and i think i think you mentioned last time that we did this that the the artwork is is just amazing here mm-hmm. you know yeah. the, the number of nazis they've got going around here I mean, it's almost, and there's almost almost two dozen of them, and they're all very, I mean, very um, distinctive looking. They all, they all kind of uh, yeah, fit, none- fit, fit fit very nicely into the thing, and it, it creates a nice sense of depth because they're all they're all the way up into you know from really big from the guy in the foreground to like little tiny ones that are. Mm-hmm. Uh, flying, flying out in the background. It's, mm-hmm. it's very nice. Yeah, they're all in, and they're all in different poses. It doesn't, it doesn't look, uh, it doesn't look out of place. None of their poses are sort of that McFarlane Spider-Man. They look very natural, and it's, it's really, it's one of those things that if you saw this in a movie, it would be, it would be really hard to reproduce, but it would be really cool just having all these Nazis, you know, just pouring out of this blimp to come take them down, you know. I say this as, you know, I think the next epic Marvel movie should be US-1, but maybe that's mm-hmm. probably not the case. We'll wait to see uh, how Well, who knows? Goes. I mean, you know, he comes, goes into a, 
I, I, I'm, I'm assuming with the aliens, maybe he'll go into into space at some point later, so maybe he can have a, ca- a cameo in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I, you know what? If that were to occur, I would be so happy. If there were some guy with a with a red blood-soaked bandage wrapped around his head just hanging out near the Guardians of the Galaxy, I would I would call it the best Marvel movie ever. I would mm-hmm. I, w- I will put money on that. Marvel is like filming yeah, yeah. right now point us one as a cameo in the guardians of the galaxy movie mm-hmm. i will pay money for that yeah or even or even if like in the there'd be like a big space battle and then somewhere like really far in the background you, you see, see like a semi floating because the, I, you know i've only looked at the covers again i have not yeah. read ahead but i've only I looked at the covers and that. the final cover has the truck in space I don't know what the hell is going on with it, but yes, that would be perfect. Oh, oh, that would be glorious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm moving on to the next page. I really didn't have all that much on the page where uh, the firm's looking at, uh, you know, the Nazis taking on everything. Did you have anything on this? Well, yeah, there's there's uh, the one thing that uh, I think we said that I don't think you said you said earlier that you that you did not notice it, but. Yeah. Uh, um, it is. It is. I think kind of interesting is that uh, in in the last panel that he says, uh, uh, the, I'm sorry, uh, the Baron says, um, "Ah, actually, I'm not even German myself, but I always thought they had the best looking uniforms. Don't you agree?" Which is, I mean, which is, which is, I, I think we we sort of we sort of talked about that earlier. I think that that he seemed, you know, like you know. A very exaggerated stereotype, even to that point of being unreal, and and even uh, that uh, U.S. one had uh, or not U.S. U.S. Archer anyway uh, had had talked about earlier that the Baron sounded like he had an accent from Hogan's Heroes, mm-hmm. and uh, so I guess I guess now we know why because uh, this is all fake, yes. <laughs> and, and, and it makes sense now that he's just doing this because it's a cool look. And you know, you know that's that's not a bad thing. What you know, what villain you know? Sometimes that's nice that your villain does things not because they're ingrained in the ideolo- ideology of this group of people. It's just because they've got a cool look. Why not? Mm-hmm. It works. They 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 have uh, they're very snappy dressers. Those Nazis. Oh yeah, and we get to see a lot of them on the next page. This is this is a really well laid out panel on this next page where we've got just all the people from the, from the shortstop coming out to take on the Nazis. And there's just, there's a little wonkiness in the composition, but mm-hmm. it's just so frenetic and just so much going on. And it, of course you've got one person at the top because it has to happen every episode. Someone gets thrown this time into the uh, window of the shortstop, so at least they're not coming out. So there's a change up there. Mm-hmm. Though there is, a, yeah. That, though I think, yeah, earlier, there's there is actually a, a lettering mistake there where uh, I mean the man is uh, being punched through the window through by one of the Nazi soldiers and saying, "Take that, Sig Heiler." Yeah. And the, the, the Nazi is saying that, which I'm pretty sure was meant to be attributed to some sort of. Uh, one of the truckers, mm-hmm. not not a Nazi, but that's true. Um, there is definitely some. I mean, some really. The yeah, they like you said. There are some. There are some weird stuff, like a couple of guys that don't look don't look quite right. Um, but there is. 
oh, there's there's some great action. Mm-hmm. Taryn just... hitting a guy over the head with a baseball bat, and yeah, where did she come up with a baseball? Maybe one of the soldiers was carrying it, or was she, you know, did she have it? You know, did she pick it up somewhere? Or you know, what's the thing going? Yeah. It... Or uh, or or perhaps perhaps it was hidden somewhere. And no, yes, no. I did it again. Uh, uh, okay. Um, but I, yeah, and there's and there's uh, you know guy giving a, a two, the two handed uh, Kirk punch from <laughs> yeah, and and the other and another guy's going like ah and then and, and like holding up uh, <laughs> uh, choking choking out a Nazi and and holding him up in the air and it's oh, oh yeah just there's just there, really there's a stuff. ton of ton of action and again e- even though the the majority of the the background or the majority of the uh the the scenery underneath these characters is white i think kupperberg helps it by doing those little just scratch marks that sort of depict shadows like under us one under there and putting mm-hmm. the oil slick there because that that gives it a, a more sense of that it's actual solid ground rather than just the stark white that we've seen with springer that gives it that kind of takes you out of it and makes it feel uh, kind of ethereal and not really set in reality. But yeah, this is just a wonderfully fun, frenetic, action-filled splash page. The next the next note I have is on uh, page 18, where US-1's, you know, fiddling with the hypno-whip to try and uh, get uh, the trio out of the mind control. And I, I like on the panel, you know, the... He does look a little wonky here on that fourth panel where he's sweating and all that because the, I don't think they colored in some of the sweat dripping off his nose. And it looks like he's got some weird skin tag hanging off. That's mm-hmm. kind of creepy. But I do like on the sixth panel there, we get a little bit of Kirby crackle as his uh, CB skull sort of interacts with the hypno whip and you know, zaps everyone out and brings mm-hmm. them out of their stupor. Well, except for Retread, who's consistently in a stupor. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah, especially on the on the on the next page, uh, nineteen, where where he he's, he look, he looks kind of like uh, in in the panel on the bottom where he actually, I mean, he seems really gaunt and looks, I mean, he looks like a heroin junkie or something. Mm-hmm. Not even uh, like he's he's into some harder stuff even than than we thought he was earlier. So it's well, pretty... and all, also on this panel, his I don't know whether it's just a, an inking mistake or whatever, but his eyes look kind of wonky. His his left eye has the pupil sort of facing down. He's got that weird sort of Marty Feldman kind of look where his eyes are you know off center and you know maybe the maybe the end uh, whatever he's on is affecting his uh, you know his his brain and causing, you know, the left side to sort of, you know, lose cohesion and his eye is just getting all limp and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he's just got Bell's palsy or something. <laughs> that could be it, too. The next page is where I've got my next note. And mm-hmm. I don't know how Taryn made this assumption that uh, Midnight was wearing a wig, but she goes to rip it off and I'm... I'm actually kind of glad it's a wig because otherwise Taryn would have just ripped out a large chunk of this person's hair, mm-hmm. which, you know, I guess for Taryn, you know, pulling hair and stuff like that isn't, you know, out of place uncommon. But yeah, it's it's kind of a. I don't know, a leap of logic that she would automatically assume that. But, you know, you should just just go with it, I guess. But she also you see her also tearing off her mask as well. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just grab each one. 
Yeah, I and I, I think I think actually um, when Mary was trying to to frame Taryn earlier in the issues you did last time, I think there there actually was a wig which makes sense since both of the people that we thought maybe could be her uh, could be midnight anyway um, uh, don't have black hair, so that's true. It, so it sort of makes sense uh, that. You know, if if, if Taryn had seen the wig before, she would know that it was some sort of disguise. I, I love the the last panel on that page, though, where um, you know, everybody's gasping at who it is, as we can't see her face, but since she has uh, short blonde hair, uh, it's pretty obvious that you know we know who it is already, even before. It's revealed on the next page. Yeah. But, uh, sadly, it wasn't much of a surprise, but it was kind of a surprise that, yes, it wasn't Mary operating on her own, uh, of her own free will. There was something going on with her, whether it be mind control or hypnotism or she was drugged or whatever. So there seems like something, some outside force causing her to do this. It wasn't her actual desire to take down us and the shortstop so i, I like i said i, I got to give you credit because i thought you know it was just mary had a grudge out for him and no there's something more going on about it and it's nice that us you know realizes that you know he can see that you know something's wrong with mary she's not responding normally um, well, at least he's not trying to murder her with missiles anymore <laughs> that's that's true he's not you know firing yes heavy artillery at her uh but that leads us to the uh the final the final splash page where the uh the main antagonist of the story well the main antagonist so far of the story we don't know about mm-hmm. the aliens comes in and reveals himself and you know we're gonna see a showdown next issue between the highwaymen and us one so yeah and he again very very Dracula, very Morpheus. He's got the all black and his face is shadowed, but the, he's got the popped red collar, which is kind of cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and we've got our, uh, you know, like I, like I said before, yeah, the, the, it's the really nice touch on, on this panel though, is, uh, Mary, Mary, uh, just, laying there on the ground sort of holding herself up with one hand and, and just staring straight out at at the reader just sort of like what's going on i'm so scared i don't know what's what, what's up and it's 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 really nice to see that as as ever as 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 everyone else is is flipping out at the highway and she's just completely gone and <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's a nice uh, you know we've had a lot of nice cliffhanger endings in the book, and this is just a another one. And then you think with now that we know that it's a maxi series and it's only going to run twelve issues, having a cliffhanger ending at the end of every book is you know acceptable because I don't think on an ongoing series, you know, you being able to pull that off every episode would be you know all that feasible, mm-hmm. and it, it would get boring over time. You know, when you've got a limited series, I think it works a lot better. Mm-hmm. But if even you... if even if this isn't necessarily the strongest, I think of the cliffhangers, even though it's like, oh, it's it's the highwayman, but it, it's you know nothing is really revealed or 
I mean, and it's not really a huge surprise that... Yeah, that there was going to be a showdown between these two. Uh, but uh, yeah, and that, you know, he's he's been hanging around in the background of this issue the whole time. So it's, it's not super surprising. But, but uh, if you don't have anything else, uh, we can go ahead and take a look at some of the ads throughout this issue. All right. Um, starting with the inside front cover, we've got an ad for the Atari 2600 version of Joust. And <clears throat> this was a pretty good port to the 2600. I mean, the graphics weren't as good as the arcade version, but it was a pretty fun game. And it was a it was a tough game, too. I I could never really get past like a few levels because after the with the knights on the pterodactyl start getting really fast. I think you meant to say ostrich, not pterodactyl. And you've got to try and, you know, hover your pterodactyl just enough where you can... You did it again. It's ostrich, you twit. Ostrich. Go up. There's a lot of physics involved in this very simplistic game. So I, I thought it was a fun game, and it looks like a pretty neat port for it. Mm-hmm. But... And this, this uh, I mean, this ad is just really cool looking. I mean, he's got the uh, showing things that the game can't necessarily deliver totally, but they're still, I mean, it's really... It's really cool to see that. Um, it's 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 more stylized artwork. It's not very mm-hmm. specific like we'd see in like the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons ad, but it, it's it, it's a nice sort of in between between very realized or very realistic type artwork to depict what would be going on and the actual video game uh, images, the images from the game. So I I like it. I think it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um. The next ad we've got is for the official Marvel Comics tryout book, which allows you to to color, ink, letter, script, draw, plot, and uh, it's got how-to explanations of this. And it's uh, it says it's printed on 11 by 17 heavyweight Marvel artboard, and it was only like 12.95. So that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. It looks like it's a uh, yeah, John Romita Jr. and it's a Spider-Man story. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. So if you know. You had to desire to sort of pencil sort of stories and get an idea of how, you know, the Marvel style works. This is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there, there's some nice John Romita Jr. artwork on that cover. So that's kind of cool. Well, and I mean, that what we can sort of see of the interior pages as well. There's some, you know, it's, it's hard to see because there are little, little tiny looking things on this uh, in the ad. But you know, And again, uh, a lot of times, as you know, I've mentioned in uh, the, the book, sometimes the the colors sort of wash out after a while and things get a little bit harder to read, but yeah, it, it, it looks cool. This would probably be, you know, I'm wondering if, you know, uh, any major artists who are working at a uh, Marvel or DC nowadays, you know, started out with this kind of thing and that got them interested. You know? I wonder. I um, the next ad page is just sort of a hodgepodge page with uh, Marvel Supermart, you know, comic book uh, stores in California, Florida, Rhode Island, Virginia and Canada. Um, then we've got the uh, Jordy LaForge uh, alien chick and uh, Faggy Thor there. So mm-hmm. and uh, sell video games to make big money. Uh huh. Yeah. Scam or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh yeah. No. No minimum order. No risk and no age limit. Uh-huh. That's sketchy. Yeah, that sounds like something, you know, that sounds like something someone would sell out of the back of their van. Mm-hmm. Hey, would you like some video games, kids? 
the the middle part of the book is a two page ad for Mile High Comics, and it's got uh, I guess they're doing a big sale that expires on uh, June first, nineteen eighty four. But it was uh, all of the books they had advertised, and the yellow portion of it were all fifty cents each. So that's kind of cool. I wonder I wonder if these books you know would still be running fifty cents each because. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking in here, we've got some uh, detective comics. Uh, got a, lar- a lot of Marvel super specials. The Close Encounters. We've got one for Meteor. I for- I didn't know mm-hmm. they did one for that that Sean Connery movie. That's sort of. The I don't think of, I've, yeah, I've seen that. Uh, it, it's basically it? uh, well, not Armageddon. Oh, it, well, no, it kind of is. I guess it's basically Armageddon or Deep Impact, except Sean Connery's doing it and. I think instead of having a ship go up to try and stop it, it's uh, kind of a polemic about uh, nuclear proliferation because both the mm-hmm. Russians and the Americans had placed orbiting satellites with nuclear warheads above both countries. And instead of turning them to face down, they turn them to face up and shoot at the uh, at the uh, meteor that's coming at it. And the they all launch them at the same time and it blows it up. And, you know, it's it's. Mm-hmm. It's basically a commentary on how if we could work together with the Soviets, things would get done. And we see how well that's worked because we're such good friends with the, uh, the Russians. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And they've got, yeah, they've got um, also some, speaking of people who play James Bond, one of those uh, super, or they have super specials for For Your Eyes Only and Octopussy. Oh, yeah. Which I, I believe, those are, I mean, I know Octopussy is, but I, I think is for your eyes only that's yeah, that's a, that's a more one also I that's think. another roger Moore. i think that might have been right before octopus I, I don't know if that came in i don't know if that came before moonraker or after it i think it may have came after it um, because yeah i think it was that sure. and octopus then view to a kill was Moore's last one but uh-huh. you know, I'm, I'm not this big of a you know i love the bond films but i'm not that steeped in it that i know yeah yeah me too there also it's interesting i i didn't notice this before apparently in the independent section there's uh one one issue available of planet of the vampires and i wonder if that has anything to do with uh the mario bava film of the same name i don't know because i i i had seen that earlier and i don't i don't know if it has anything to do with that at all but that's a that's a good movie uh the next ad we have after the the comics ad is for the New York Comic Con, which has uh, some nice or- artwork at the top. And sadly, all of the characters aside from Madu, well, even Ma- the only character up here that doesn't have the trademark behind them mm-hmm. is the character of Medusa. We've got the Hulk, the Thing, Daredevil, the Human Torch, and Black Bolt all have their sort of headshots up there, and they've got the TMs by them. But Medusa, mm-hmm. it's not great. Mm-hmm. What the heck's that? But I guess this is the big uh, New York Comic Con. They've got some big names. It's, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's. Qu- I mean, uh, as far as I know, I don't think it's quite exactly like the New York Comic Con that uh, you know people are probably familiar with now, though, because yeah, I, I believe back back then there really wasn't any weren't or was weren't any big. Uh, 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 big, big, big shows there. That's just one of the. I mean, it's mm-hmm. probably well, this, a, a little show in the in the. Uh, yeah, it's actually actually says it's the Creation Comic Book Convention. Yeah, I was going to say it, this seems like to be more focused on creators because they don't really mention anyone aside from the big comic book uh, names like Simon Walt Simonson, Chris Claremont, Klaus Janssen, George Perez, and Howie Chaikin. 
Yeah. Um, okay. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't think. I don't think he likes being called that. I certainly wouldn't call him that. No, that's. Uh, I, I'm not. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is just you know one of those things to to get him riled up. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure it's really hard to get Howard Shakin more riled up. <laughs> he already or maybe is. not. Okay. And yes, got, gotta get a grit. Yes, luckily well. it's not the creepy, you know, son of Ziggy one. It's the two kids. No, this. it's just it's just creepy, creepy children. Because creepy children are so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least they're not like those kids in Village of the Damned. But again, this is not a horror podcast. True. So. Um, Though they do have white hair, I noticed. Yeah, so luckily they don't have the glowy eyes, so that's yes. <laughs> uh the next page is the Olympic prizes for cash with uh Captain O, you know, mm-hmm. creepily putting his hands on the children in front of him. So yeah, Captain yeah, O he's an he's an equal opportunity pedophile. So there's, a, there's <laughs> yes. a little 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 white boy and a little black boy and a little and girl so, too. So so, so he's not good. just into the boys, so that's good too. Man, we're taking this down a dark road. Seriously, though, I mean, like that. I mean, like you know, he's it's creepy. I mean, like it's I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they didn't mean it that way, but still, it is, you know. Yeah, but he they, looks sketchy. They, At least he doesn't like have like one of those mustaches or something. Oh, like, oh then, then 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 we'd be really in trouble. But yeah, um, uh, they've got some neat stuff here. They've got uh, I noticed up in the top right corner they've got a ColecoVision if you sell a hundred items. Um, what else do we see? There's a Commodore home computer. I yeah. Really I, I can't tell whether – I don't know whether that's a Commodore 64 or a VIC-20, but it's probably – I'm, I'm going to assume for only 120, it's probably the VIC-20, which is the sort of lesser model. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, they've got a lot of neat stuff. I think yeah, you can get a, a portable uh, – a solid-state portable television. Mm-hmm. And by portable, I think they mean that it only weighs 25 pounds, not 100 pounds, like a TV, a regular TV. Yeah. So. And um, and uh, Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons uh, adventure pack of some sort. There's a nice nice box of stuff. And oh, bow and arrow. To mm-hmm. In case uh, you've got your your Hunger Games thing going on uh, all the way back. Back here, um, which doesn't really make that much sense since uh, this is, uh, again, many years from then. So maybe Captain O knows the future, too. Maybe that's why he looks so creepy. Maybe he maybe he really <laughs> is just friends with the children. Nothing bad is going on. Okay. I, think, I think I'll go with that. Go that with sounds that. good. Yeah. Uh, the next pay, the next real ad we've got is a bullpen bulletins, which uh, I guess it, I can't tell in the picture because, again, the inking's kind of faded out. But it looks like. Spider-Man is hanging around a couple of people. I can't tell what they're doing. Is one of them lighting up a cigarette? I don't know. That's just weird. And I'm assuming those are um, actual Marvel professionals, which is kind of hilarious when you think about the fact that I don't think they're actually allowed to show anybody smoking in Marvel comics these days. Mm. Although actually, no, I think I remember because I mean, we were talking about Howard Chicken and I actually saw him talking at, at a panel and since he did that Avengers uh, 1959 series um, and he was saying actually, actually uh, villains in period pieces are still allowed to smoke apparently. Well, that's so, 
you know, and, uh, you know, not, well, they can smoke cigarettes, but, you know, I think good guys, they can smoke pipes because I, I've been listening to a lot of uh, fantastic ass and reading the fantastic four uh, episodes from that time and Reed Richards, he would smoke a pipe as well. So it's, it's okay. If you smoke pipes in the uh, Marvel universe, that means you're a good guy. <laughs> but on this page, we've got uh, the hype list, which has got Thor 342. 342. Yeah. My ink is really bad. And Dr. Strange 64 with mm-hmm. Anne Nascenti and Tony Solomon's. But the one thing that I didn't get was this generic comic. What the heck mm-hmm. is that? Yeah, that's the thing. I think we didn't, didn't figure that out either. But uh, it's 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 a, certainly a joke. But whether that is um, a, a joke that actually extends to this comic actually being printed or not, I don't know. But it has a has a pretty great uh, great promo bit in there. It says uh, the generic comic featuring a superhero and a supervillain in an exciting story, as only a writer. And a penciler could bring it to you. And with an inker doing the inking, you know you're in for a treat. And if that doesn't intrigue you, we don't know it will. Only from Marvel. Wow. So. You know, if people actually bought this, if this actually got sold, I would I would be impressed. But, yeah, generic yeah. comic. There you go. Mm-hmm. You got all sorts of, sorts of fun things here. You got the... Uh, and... Uh, a team limited series it's coming out uh and uh tarzan of the apes limited series mm-hmm. and what if number 44 what if the hulk went berserk <laughs> which i believe as we said we may have said last time that uh which sounds kind of like every hulk comic that uh we've ever read so pretty much yeah one of the things that i didn't uh was the uh official marvel or official handbook in the marvel universe this time is the book of weapons and hardware, which I think would probably be kind of cool. I bet there'd mm-hmm. probably be a lot of, a lot of Kirby tech in that one. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I bet, I bet there, I bet the hypno whip's not in there. Uh, that's horrible. Boo. Yes. <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> Uh, the next page uh, that we've got is the typical hodgepodge ad. I don't think there's anything really new on there. There's a uh, secret book safe, which I guess is one of these hollowed out books that you can put, you know, money or do- documents or, you know, body parts or whatever you want to put in there, depending upon the rather, size. Rather, yes, a rather small body parts, I would think. Well, I mean, maybe you, you cut off someone's a, finger and put yeah. it in there and send it to someone as a gift. So, yeah. yeah. Or even, a, even a whole hand, but like anything much more than that. Yeah, it's not uh, gonna, You're going to have to get a Stephen King-sized novel to get that in there. Uh, yeah. And, but the, also, that yes, we have uh, next to each other, we have uh, an ad to for a book to help you uh, get um, to deal with your girl's troubles right next mm-hmm. to uh, the police-style handcuffs. Regulation, size, and style. All-metal, heavy-duty, chrome-plated steel yeah. with lock and keys. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to tell us something. I, uh, I cannot say. I don't I don't want to think about it too much. Um, the next ad. Oh, this is glorious. It's an ad for the uh, Marvel Superhero Secret War. And it is just a beautiful splash of all, well, not all the heroes, but a majority of the uh, Marvel heroes just coming at you. You've got mm-hmm. Captain America in the foreground sort of you know, uh, cheering the people on. We've got a lot of the X characters, Wolverine, of course, and 
Cyclops up there, Nightcrawler in the background, mm-hmm. the Hulk and Spider-Man, Iron Man, and this. It's uh, yeah, this is good artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Yeah. My favorite part is that the, is the is the captain the Captain America in the very front with his his shield up, and then there's the Wasp right there mm-hmm. uh, um, next to him, and she's casting a shadow on the shield. And yeah, I just noticed really that. Cool. I was going to say that that's that's really good art because that could have easily been you know overlooked, and it's you've got the shadow over of this, so that's really cool. It's a, a lesser artist, I think, would have would have skipped this. I don't know who's who's doing the artwork on this, but it looks amazing. Everyone mm-hmm. looks great. I think, yeah, because I know, I know my exec was the, the main artist on that series, so I'm, a, I'm assuming that's who it is, although I'm not familiar enough with his art to say, like, for certain that's who this is, so I, I but uh, that, that might be it. I don't but know. But it, it, it really looks good. Yes, it does. Uh, the next it's page party. Is the uh, subscription ad for this time, and we get uh, the Inhumans uh, hawking the uh, Marvel comics this time out, and we've got mm-hmm. it's sort of a Christmas theme with a uh, Black Bolt sort of playing Santa Claus and Medusa along on the sleigh with oh poor Lockjaw, Lockjaw has to mm-hmm. to carry the sleigh, but maybe you know you think that's how Santa gets around so quickly, you know he mm-hmm. just teleports via Lockjaw. But I don't know. I mean, I, you could say poor Medusa as well, because um, as it as it does appear, that uh, she's using her uh, hair as the reins. And I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe do, do, does she feel things through that? I don't know. I if it wonder. does, that might be really painful. I, but then again, maybe not. I don't well, know. But she feels it, nothing. Yeah. If Lockjaw's pulling the sleigh along and she's using her hair as the reins, yeah, that's you've got to imagine that's gonna going to be kind of painful but you know maybe she's just got super strong hair and she doesn't the, the nerve endings in her head don't allow her to feel anything from it so who knows yeah I and, guess it, and, and maybe you know maybe and maybe it's not that bad because maybe he's not even pulling at all maybe he's just teleports everywhere that could cause... be it yeah there's a yeah lockjaw is connected to medusa who's connected to the sled so who's the, he teleports to the bone to the <laughs> you went there um the the next ad we've got is on the inside back cover which is for masters of the universe the power of he-man video game now the the artwork for he-man and skeletor fighting here is it's okay it's nothing phenomenal but the the images from the game man that that from what we've seen from previous games these Mm -hmm. images really look nice i think they're from the intellivision version Mm -hmm. but you can definitely tell, and on that sort of top screen that's kind of silhouetted by the other one, it looks like Castle Grayskull. I mean, if you were to show this to someone who's just a He-Man fan and said, what is this? They could definitely tell you this, where with other video games, you know, you'd be looking like, is that uh, 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 is that something from Mario? So, yeah, this is really good. The video game here looks really nice, so I'm impressed with that. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, we get uh, more video games on the back outside cover with uh Qbert and we get uh versions of Qbert on the uh, various uh well game systems and computers out there. We've got the uh the Atari systems, the 2600, the 5200 and the 400, 800 and 600, the TI-994A, the Intellivision, the Commodore 64 and the Big 20 and the ColecoVision and it gives you an idea of what the graphics look like on each of the individual systems and Really, so far the 5200 looks pretty good. The TI-994A looks good, and the Commodore 64 looks 
pretty much like uh, the way it would look in the arcades. The other one, you know, to varying different degrees, look okay, but those three really stand out. Yeah, I gotta say that 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 Vic Twenty does not impress me. That is pretty pretty ugly looking. But, no, it yeah. looks pretty. You know, it, it looks like the characters are just blocked in because you see Cubert on one of those cubes, and he doesn't even look yeah. like he's integrated to it. It looks like just a block with him, his image on it, you know, placed over the squares. So yeah, that's pretty crap. Even the twenty six hundred looks better than that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of awful. But yeah, it's an advertisement for the Cubert video games. You know, yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good um. Oh, that looks really good for a 2600 game. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that one. I think I, I think I don't know whether I had this, but I think I played it before, and it mm-hmm. you know it was a pretty good port of the game. You know, like I've said before, there are some video games that Atari put out that are just crap, but this one I think was a pretty good port of the uh, actual system. So uh, that's pretty cool. But uh, unless you've got anything else to talk about for this issue, I think uh, it's time to take a break and move on to the next issue. Okay. All right, so we're going to take a break, put a couple of promos in here, and when we come back, we'll start taking a look at US 1 number 10. Gathered together from the disparate reaches of geekdom, here in this restaurant booth, are the most powerful forces of geek ever assembled. Ryan, the toy geek. Scott, the award-winning radio host. Jeff, Scott's minion. And Ron, just Ron. Dedicated to truth. Justice and geek for all mankind. It's Dinner for Geeks. Dinner for Geeks proudly crusades at twotruefreaks.com. The Hulk on Podcasts. Hulk like podcasts. Hulk listen to podcasts while Hulk smash. The Hulk on Peter David. Hulk like to read Peter David comics. Hulk have problem making words. Hulk, write down. Peter David wrote a seminal run on the Incredible Hulk for 12 years. Some of the most provocative, compelling stories came from this era, filled with striking psychological overtones, bold character developments, and sharp humor. Along with artists like Todd McFarlane, Dale Keown, and Gary Frank, Peter David took the Incredible Hulk and the comic book medium as a whole to new heights. The Hulk on Peter David Podcasts. Uh, Hulk not find Peter David Podcasts. Hulk get mad. Hulk smash! Hey folks, in order to appease the rampaging Hulk, there is an Incredible Hulk podcast devoted to Peter David. Pad Smash, an Incredible Hulk podcast, looks at the entire Peter David run on the Hulk, issue by issue in a bi-weekly format. Join me, J. David Weeder, on a journey through the saga of old J. Jaws at www.incrediblehulksmash.com. Incredible Hulk and all related characters copyright Marvel Comics. 
Pad Smash is not responsible for gamma radiation sickness, smash MP3 players, overturned vehicles, tanks thrown through the ceiling, injured supervillains on the lawn, gamma bomb detonations, property damage from debris, deep-rooted psychological damages as a result of intense child abuse resulting in an alternate self-destructive personality with the strength of an atom bomb, or anal leakage. And we're back with issue number 10 of, of uh, US1, March 6, 1984, A Good Man in the Clutch, Stan Lee presents, and Al Milgram, Frank Springer, uh, Mike Esposito, Janice Chang, George Russo, Ralph Macchio, and Jim Shooter production with a uh, price of 60 cents US, 25 UK and 75 cents in Canada. The Highbone monologues while holding on to Mary, who is still in his thrall. U.S. strikes out at him with a hypno whip, but the Highbone only laughs maniacally, for of course he would never make a weapon that could hurt himself. And he does, however, manage to free Mary while the Highbone is distracted. The Ohio men in the U.S. flex their truckopathic powers, copyright War Rocket Ajax and Brian Clevenger, sending their trucks crashing into each other, and once again, the U.S. goes into some flashback time to recount his origin again. Then, he asks the highwayman if his brother is still alive. The highwayman says yes and U.S. threatens to beat his brother's location out of the highway. The Baron descends to help, holding his sword in his teeth, then losing his footing, spitting out the sword as he lands on the ground. The highwayman then uses the Baron as his footstool as he continues to pontificate. They see the giant spaceship emerge, bearing the CB aliens. The highwayman rants at them for not giving him enough time seeming to suggest that perhaps his powers may have some connection to these aliens. The Highwayman leaves in his black rig, trailed by US-1 and the aliens, watch and see what will happen. The Highwayman reveals he has countermeasures for all of US-1's weapons, including a force field. He try, um, the US tries to trick the Highwayman by putting out a smoke screen ahead of an oil slick. But the highwayman sees through the trap and makes his truck float over the smokescreen. And then he descends on a solid beam of light and reveals his true identity of Jefferson Hercules Archer. What the hell? Indeed. Yeah, this was a this was a nice cliffhanger ending. Again, not really unexpected. You kind of had to think that uh, the reveal of his brother being alive would come up some way. And it's not its not that shocking that his brother was actually the highwayman, but there is some wonkiness in how that came about. And I, do you want to get into that now, or do you want to talk about that when we get to it in the in the book? You know, I, mean, I don't know. I guess it's it, it, it does seem pretty obvious. I don't think we need need to uh, explain why that is kind of confusing, even if it 
it does make a little. I mean, it's just basically there's, uh, you know, they were both at the uh, at the accident that uh, where where U.S. Uh, cracked his skull open, and uh, it you you gotta wonder was was he in was he in the truck with U.S. or was he the guy behind behind the wheel of the black rig at that time or was he in both places at once? It's kind of uh, raises some interesting questions. Yeah, certainly. I guess I guess this is something we'll have to see if they actually explain in the uh, in the final uh, issue of this. But you know who knows? If, if you want to go ahead and we'll hit notes, I want to talk a little bit about the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes, oh yes. Yeah. Now we didn't mention the last cover. The last cover by Michael Golden on uh, mm-hmm. issue nine was a really it, it was another really nice cover uh that sort of painted uh faded out look of us one in the background and mm-hmm. uh, uh us archer there as well with midnight riding pie but on this one it's all really pretty good except for one element you've got the sort of cackling face of the highwayman in the background you've got baron von blimp you know pontificating with his fist raised in the air you've got us one you've got the blimp with the sort of jaws look and then you've got transvestite Danny Bonaducci there with these really mm-hmm. horrible mirrored glasses. And I'm thinking, is that supposed to be Taryn on the front cover? And I guess it is because she's wearing sort of the the you know blouse that's tied up to show off her midriff and the you know very exposed cleavage. And she's got the red hair, but it's short cropped red hair and she really looks manly i mean her, mm-hmm. she's got some guns and not just you know and and not like feminine physically fit guns but you know like you know weightlifter biceps it's mm-hmm. just all kinds of creepy yeah and it's it is it's weird because um for, first of all uh she as far as i know has like jack all to do with all of uh in this issue like she's really has pretty much nothing nothing in in it uh especially not like she had in in the previous couple of issues and um i mean she might be in the background or something but she doesn't uh play a major role and golden seemed to have no trouble drawing her um on earlier covers like the one with uh where the where Taryn, Mary, and Midnight were on it, which mm-hmm. where Taryn looked just fine, and but yeah, and it's weird because uh, those mirrored shades that yeah really do look pretty pretty awful are uh, not something that, as far as I know, Taryn ever uh, has has worn up to this point. So I'm not really sure. No, it's just, and it, it the, even with the style of the rest of the composition. This one looks more finely drawn, while the rest of them look sort of painted in. So it's just, I don't know why it's added there, and it just looks bad. This this is just the thing that sort of takes away from this, you know, pretty good cover by Mm -hmm. putting, like I said, transvestite Danny Badabducci on there. Mm -hmm. And and, and she just seems, I mean, she almost seems like kind of thrown in, too, because like the whole... I mean, the figure is just just standing there, she's holding her arms at her side. They're just they're just sort of hanging there limply, and she's just 
it's uh, straight on to the viewer, and it's, it it just seems. I mean, it doesn't necessarily hurt the composition, but just the figure itself is just looks really boring and doing basically nothing, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like, why is she there exactly? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, moving into the book, uh, the first page. Unfortunately, we get. We, we get some good Springer art, but we get the lack of Springer background. You know, all we've got, you know, it, it looks like, now, now that I look at it again, it looks kind of like a stage play because it looks like there's a giant spotlight, you know, on this sort of blank background, uh, you know, shining on all of the characters here. You know, at least there's some shadowing behind uh, um, the Highwaymen and Mary. But for the rest of them, there was no shadowing underneath them at all. So it's, again, the backgrounds or the lack of backgrounds kind of just irritate me about Springer's artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and also uh, Mary seems to have been picked up by the Heavenmen at some point, and now she's just sort of st- standing there like a like a dead weight piece of wood. He's holding up. Uh, exactly. Very odd looking. Now on the on the next page we get that sort of two thirds splash. That's again some more uh, of the fighting between the the denizens, the shortstop, and the uh, Nazis, which is good Springer art with the action and everything. But again, the fact that you know there's not any background, there's not uh, like a drawn in uh, parking lot or anything. Just it's I don't know if it's just laziness or what, but it again it it takes the reality of the it, it takes you out of the reality of the story i did i did like um i just noticed this right now um while i was just just looking over this again and i think it's interesting that um uh that the highway is saying uh about baron von blimp is um is like about his uh, squad of uh neo-nazis is like how imaginative which i think is sort of a, a, a stealth put down is like this is ridiculous mm-hmm. like this guy is an idiot well, what I'm, is going I'm, on I'm glad at least the highwayman you know realizes that in this book because yeah the the Nazis yes it's perfectly going along befitting with his character which we now know is is fake but yeah it it is wholly ridiculous but mm-hmm. there we go Let's see, the next page we get that that top panel is really nice with all the characters leaping to try and grab Mary and take down the highwayman. And a little bit of Kirby crackle on there with the U.S. using the whip. And the whip looks a lot better now. It it does have Mm -hmm. that a lot thinner feel. It doesn't look like a tentacle. It looks more like the whip. So I'm glad Springer is coming back to do that. But uh, yeah, it doesn't work on the highwayman. Yeah, surprising. Never Mm would have guessed that. Ha! Do you think I would be foolish enough to supply my henchmen with weapons that could do me harm? Mm-hmm. It's very, uh, yes. Like, well, he's very... Um, melodramatic? Yeah, I was going to say full of himself, but melodramatic <laughs> too, definitely, yeah. I mean, he's just like, you know, this is like, oh, this is a big confrontation, but actually, I mean, besides the, the truck chase that happens later in the issue basically he spends most of the issue just standing there and pontificating mm-hmm. at them for you know and well like his... any good 
any good villain would do. I mean, this right. isn't really out of place. That you could see oh, no. Doctor Doom oh, no. doing this kind of stuff, but you know, this yeah. is just yeah, yeah. The Highwayman is not Doctor Doom. Let's, no, let's put no. that out. Yes, right we don't, there. we don't, we don't want to get any angry letters from Professor Allen. No, no the, I, this the Highwayman is all right, but uh, he is no Doctor Doom. No Doom. Doom Who is not really the Highwayman? Who really? I mean, is oh, Dr. true. Doom. I mean, but Doctor, Doom. there is no Doom, but Doom. Mm-hmm. Um. We get a bit more Kirby crackle as uh, we see US-1 summoning the rig to come help him. But of course, that really doesn't do anything because, like you said, the trucopathic powers of the Highwayman allows him to summon his rig and take down US-1. So it's pretty much anything you can do, I can do better between these two people. Mm-hmm. All the, yes, and also he uh, definitely is... Um... What is, oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's he is doing a very bad thing, though, because he is explaining his powers to the bad guys, which he should not do. Yeah. It is bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, we know we got to, um, you know, explain stuff to whoever might be coming into this, but it is incredibly nonsensical that he should be, be saying all these things about how his powers work while the Hyoman is just standing there. It's... It's it's a very bad strategy. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty. <laughs> I really don't have any notes uh, uh, up until the monologue about you know US one recapping the stuff, which I understand. We have to the idea that I think Jim Shooter put out that every comic could be someone's first, mm-hmm. so you've got to give kind of a little bit of the background on this. But knowing this is a you know, 12 issue maxi series and that it's almost finished up for them to spend, you know, like almost two full pages recapping a story that's been told a couple of times before in the book just seems like wasted opportunity here. Yeah. I, I don't know though. I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you on one hand, but also um, I would say that it brings up what we were talking about earlier that, um, you know, it, at least, I mean, it, it reminds the readers of of um, of the one reason why the Highwayman's identity doesn't make sense, and mm-hmm. it, 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 it at least will leave you then with questions as to so you know, yeah, that, what that, really that... what really did happen that night? Because obviously, some things wonky because they both seem to be in the same place at the same time, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that that's that is pretty bizarre. Um, the oh, next thing then, I've got, oh, go yeah. ahead. Oh no, 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 just like it's not on the uh, at the end of that flashback, they cut they cut into um, back back to the U.S. and the highwaymen talking, and it apparently uh, appears that uh, the highwayman's hair has suddenly become. In, in like uh, in some way reminiscent of a uh, Dragon Ball Z character, it is standing straight <laughs> up in the air. And yeah, he's gonna do me. one of his uh, oh his uh, I don't know what kind of thing the Kamehameha's or whatever. Yeah, he's yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. uh, yeah. He also, you know, I think we also mentioned last time we did this. It kind of does look like the hair of Syndrome from the uh, Incredibles. Oh as yes, well. yes. So he's got that really spiky. He's got he, he's probably put a lot of. Uh, gel in that and did a lot of uh, product uh, the, the, the clinical strength hairspray mm-hmm. but that leads us to uh, 
uh, Baron von Blimp descending from the Blimp to try and uh, I help. I, 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 I question whether he's coming to help, but of course he comes down with his sword rather than like in a holster or a scabbard or anything. He comes down with it in his teeth, which just seems really stupid, especially because he falls on uh, Mm -hmm. page 10 and lands on his butt. And is it wrong for me to kind of be wishing that, you know, he might've had an accident with the sword and, you know, Oh, bisected his skull, but yeah, you know, maybe that's just me. You know, I, don't, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's wrong. Though I will say, I, I certainly enjoy that he is uh, being used by, as, as a footstool in this thing. Oh uh, yeah. So you know, I think, um, although although your suggestion is very good, I would say, um, I, I, I sort of like what we get pretty, pretty, uh, pretty outright. Although I will say it is, it's interesting because, I mean, usually when you see someone put a sword or a knife in their teeth, it's because, I mean, you see like a lot of that, like in pirate films and stuff where um, they put it in there so they can climb, climb the rigging with, with both hands, which um, actually would make sense in this context. But in fact, the Baron is only holding on to the rope ladder with one hand and is using the other one to shake his fist at people, which I think is, is, is pretty, pretty ridiculous. Just, just showing that he's more over, he, he's, he's more substance over, or he's more style over substance. Mm-hmm. Other than doing the intelligent thing and sheathing his sword and climbing down and shaking his fist. He has to put his sword in his mouth. Ugh. He's he's a ridiculous, goofy character, and it's mm-hmm. it's nice to know that the whole Germanic thing is just mm-hmm. again style. It's, yeah. it's what he looks like. And I do I do uh, I do wonder if he actually uh, if he could even stand up at the point after he's fallen because he yeah he falls pretty far like yeah. I mean a good a good a good probably ten feet from the bo- from his position on the ladder to the ground yeah, and lands on his back. So he's got to have that wind knocked out of him as well. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. but of yeah, course, and if he hasn't got the wind knocked out of him by that, he certainly has by the highwayman, uh, <laughs> pushing, pushing down his chest with his, uh, boots. Yes. But that, that leads us to the next page, page 12, where we get the arrival of the alien spaceship and, Oh, uh, again, the ship design is just awesome. I really enjoy the look of this ship. And it I think... Is, yeah, it's gorgeous. I'm I, sorry. I, I think we mentioned last time out that it has this little pod underneath it. That I don't mm-hmm. know if we saw the last time, but it's got yeah. kind of yeah. a uh, Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. uh, side you know, cockpit on the bottom of the ship, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And plus, it's got a little a little dome thing under there as well, kind of like uh, if you remember in uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, the uh, Reliant on mm-hmm. the back of the saucer section had a little dome thing, which might have been the uh, I guess the Arboretum or whatever, maybe in the ship. I'm not really certain. I'm not up on my uh, uh, Mr. Scott's Guide to the Enterprise, but it's it's a cool it's a cool little design here. The ship mm-hmm. looks awesome. Uh, but we get uh, here on this page the uh, highwayman in that next panel going, no, no, it isn't time yet. You promised me more time. So 
I think like you alluded to in, in earlier in the show, there was something going on between the highwaymen and these aliens. There seems to be a bit of collusion going on between them. Yeah. And he does, he does, he does mention that his, uh, um, he doesn't need, uh, he doesn't need a metal plate in his head to, uh, c- control his truck with his mind. But then as you sort of wonder then, uh, but does he need the help of these aliens to do that? I don't know. Yeah. There seems to be some, some sort of collusion between them. Um, on the next page, there was just a little throwaway line here that I found kind of amusing. Um, the two aliens who, well, the, there's a group of aliens on here, and the captain, of course, is the CB speaking alien. Mm-hmm. But a couple of aliens refer to themselves as uh, Gidney and Cloyd. And those names were just so specific that I had to go look up what those were. And, you know, we mentioned this before in our, again, our lost last record but they're actually aliens from the jay ward show rocky and bullwinkle mm-hmm. where rocky and bullwinkle went to the moon and they met these two little moon aliens and they're 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 typical little little green men type characters from uh you know that are pretty standard for the period but if i recall they also had the sort of weird tentacle things over their mouths that these aliens had so i thought it was just kind of a nice uh, reference that Milgram threw in, you know, that wasn't a, a bad pun this time out because they, they've been pretty bad with the puns in the book. And this was just a nice reference to the, the J Ward walking, Rocky and Bullwinkle stuff. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that, you know, I really don't have all that much. It's just a big chase sequence with the, the two vehicles, you know, duking it out with their, various alien or you know tony stark level of tech uh do you have any any specific notes on this oh yeah um i think there's a, the one thing is uh on that on on page 15 where um yeah us is being thrown around the truck and uh you know this all could have been fixed if he had just taken the time to put on his seatbelt, which mm-hmm. uh so uh, keep that in mind, kids. Yeah. Uh, whenever you're uh, chasing a demonic or perhaps alien uh, enemy who uh, is perhaps your brother um, with your 18-wheeler, just just buckle in, buckle in. It's the it's the smart thing to do, and it's uh, it's the law. So true. I agree. If if there's anything that I can take away from the series of books it's you know buckle up when you're driving against you know your evil antagonists and and don't do drugs or you will turn up like retread so there you go take that away from this book yeah the other thing the the only thing that i really have to say about the uh the chase between the truck is that at the end when uh us has used up pretty much all his secret weapons he fires missiles at the black rig and the black rig essentially has deflector shields. Mm-hmm. That's more than just oil slicks and smoke screens and something. You've got to imagine that he's got something. He, he's got some sort of alien tech on there because it's it's an energy bubble around him. So, yeah, he's got mm-hmm. some sort of tech that's far more impressive than anything that U.S. could come up. Even Even more impressive than the biodegradable spikes mm-hmm. just, <laughs> that again blows my mind 
the, mm-hmm. the the caltrops that he can drop behind the thing and oh yeah they won't affect it you know they'll they'll affect the person who's tailing me but they'll they'll biodegrade within a few minutes what yeah well that's interesting i didn't i didn't notice that until now though it does it mean uh it says that that the the black rig uh is rolls over them unaffected so that's those are some uh pretty tough tires i guess either that or the biodegradable spikes are just worthless which wouldn't be surprising because they're biodegradable yeah again biodegradable things are you know it's good for the environment but they're not necessarily known for their uh durability Mm because that's kind of the point of something that you know will degrade naturally Mm -hmm. Uh, it's supposed to run away and be not that strong but then again we get more uh, you know on on the next page after that we get more evidence that the black rig is either supernatural in origin or has some sort of technology that's far beyond what we have here as it floats over the oil slick that uh, us1 put out and it's essentially flying here it's wild and then and then uh it drops out some kind of like hard light beam or something. Mm-hmm. That, uh, he, uh, you know, it's just, just uh, walking down. It's pretty, yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty wild. And uh, that leads us to the, to the end with the dramatic, you know, three panel reveal of uh, the highwayman pulling off his, you know, Dragon Ball Z slash Morbius mask and revealing that he's, Jefferson Hercules Archer. So, wow. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's that big a surprise in the grand scheme of things, but it'll be interesting to see how they wrap this up, how how they, you know, how they can no prize it away that he was not only in the rig with the US, but he was also the highwayman or how they're going to no prize that. But yeah, not the best uh, cliffhanger ending, but decent enough. And it again, it makes you want to find out what's going on and makes you want to pick up the next issue. Mm-hmm. But uh, unless you have any more notes for that, do you want to go ahead and take a look at some of the ads? We've got some new ones in here this time. Sounds, sounds good. Okay, starting out, uh, I don't know if this is com- going to be commonplace in here, but the uh, front inside cover has another ad for um, a video game. This time it's aping the moon landing with uh, the... Uh, Apollo astronauts coming off the ladder, except they turn around and see a moon buggy coming by and jumping over things. And it's for the uh, video game Moon Patrol, which I thought was a really fun arcade game. I don't think I ever played it on the uh, any of the systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know I explained it last time. It's essentially a side-scrolling game where you play this uh, vehicle, which can do two things. It can jump, which allows you to jump over little canyons and such. Plus, it's got a firing mode. It's got a forward firing mode where you fire at things in front of you, which are like obstacles, like rocks and whatever that you can destroy. And then it's got an upward firing mode, which you fire at these alien ships that fly overhead, which launch sort of bombs out of them and arch over and can create craters that you have to jump over. So there's kind of a neat strategy. You want to take out these alien ships before they shoot the bombs that uh, create the craters so you don't have to jump over them. So there's a mixture of firing upward, firing forward, and jumping over these craters. It makes for a really uh, 
not really difficult, but a really challenging game. I, I, I liked it in the mm-hmm. arcades, but yeah, it's, it's, it does sound like a lot of fun. And this is this is a really nice a nice ad. There's some really great art in in there. Either like the there's there's a nice uh, bit in it. It's got the uh, the astronaut looking at the at the moon buggy, and it's um, uh, and you, and you can see it reflected in the visor of his of his helmet. And that's 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 a really nice touch. I think. Yeah, there's yeah. not really any like we had on the He-Man game, there's not really images from the game itself. So it kind of makes me suspect that the game itself might not be all that great, but uh, the artwork, yeah, is pretty nice. And like I said, the actual video game in the arcade was pretty cool. I liked playing that. Mm-hmm. Um, the next ad is for, uh, you get a free uh, Spider-Man comic book with three proofs of purchase from Oreo chocolate sandwich cookies. If you cut out the coupon and, send in three proofs of purchase. I guess you could get an issue of Marvel tales featuring, uh, amazing, or I'm assuming amazing fantasy 15. Yeah. Cause that's what the cover looks like. And also the origin of Dr. Strange. I'm wondering if it was the, uh, first issue of Dr. Strange or if it's the actual origin, because I know like the first time Dr. Strange appeared, mm-hmm. it was, yeah. uh, more of a kind of, uh, mysterious issue with him, uh, tracking down a murderer or something something the, like that yeah i mean it was it was several several issues into it before you got to you got to see an origin but that would be cool we get some uh some nice ditko reprint art for this so that'd be kind of cool but yeah you'd mm-hmm. have to eat through uh three packages of oreo cookies which you know you know in my youth that wouldn't have taken too long i could mm-hmm. have done that yep and uh the next thing we also also cookie related and comic related we have a uh, uh, an ad for cookie crisp uh with the uh old their older mascot the uh creepy uh, cookie wizard um and you can get up to five great free uh, marvel comics like spider-man the hulk and fantastic if there's um it looks like what there is is there's um uh, there's definitely a uh, Spider-Man uh, two a uh, uh, two fifty two I think which is yeah, uh, the the, um, the first appearance of the black costume yeah that apes um, the Amazing Fantasy number fifteen cover with the black costume yeah yeah that we uh, just saw in the previous ad and then there's what looks to be an issue of the Uncanny X Men one seventy one and I'm not quite sure what it says Welcome to the X Men Rogue so I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, and I'm assuming somewhere behind there it says "Hope you survive the experience." Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so that's either pro- I don't know if that's the first uh, appearance of Rogue or if it's the no, I, I, that can't be, that can't be right. But that that's mm-hmm. seems like that'd be early. But it's probably when she finally uh, joins them. And, yep. and there's a there's a Hulk issue that appears to have uh, Rom on the cover. Yeah, and... that's. Yeah, and then some Alpha Flight and Fantastic Four issues mm-hmm. that seem harder to under. I can't read what that is or yeah, understand what that is, but it's still, you know, those are pretty good comics. So oh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, and Cookie Crisp wasn't a bad cereal, provided you got the the chocolate chip one. They had one that was uh like vanilla wafer flavored, and oh, that was just that was not good. But yeah, the Cookie Wizard, he was a uh, a short lived creepy character you know, for, uh, advertising for cookies. I think the, uh, the, uh, cookie wolf or whatever they have now is 
Well, I don't know yeah. if he's better, but yeah, he's definitely not a creepy wizard, so that always sounds. Oh yeah, no, so I mean, I think it's a yeah, it's a wolf now. I think because I think I'm, I'm thinking like back, you know, earlier on, like um, I mean, not 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 before this, but between then and now, I think it was actually like there's some kind of a, I think it was like a dog or something that like had more of a rounded face. And it was yeah, like that's a true. Burglar with like a big, you know. Oh yeah, there was the bad, yeah, bad, sort of like that almost a hamburger type character. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next ad we've got is a sort of uh, the top half of the page has a lot a big uh, larger ad for the Epic Illustrated comics, including uh, Jim Starlin's Metamorphosis Odyssey, uh, Dreadstar. Wait, oh, oh, sorry. Thank you. You, you missed one. Miss one? Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh the yes. Atari Soft. Oh yes, the Atari Soft one uh, with the. Uh, with the uh, posters, the wall posters of Pac-Man, Centipede, and Donkey Kong. Uh, Pac-Man was perhaps the most uh, disappointing Atari video game mm-hmm. ever. In fact, uh, I think I mentioned last time that I would almost be willing to play the E.T. game over the Pac-Man game. It was that bad. Mm-hmm. It was just... Uh, war but and then it's like how do you how do you screw pac-man up that's it, like that's what i it's find it hard to understand like the, i mean and the thing was you know like a year later they ported miss pac-man from uh the arcade to the atari and mm-hmm. it was it was really good it actually yeah. looked like the game it sounded like it the characters you know weren't you know this fuzzy you know fading in and out ghost the the mazes actually looked like the mazes from the game. It was, uh, they just ruined it with that Pac-Man video game. It was awful. But Don, you know, uh, Donkey Kong. Oh yeah, sorry. I was going to say Donkey Kong looks kind of wonky because Mario just looks like he doesn't look like Mario in here. But you know, it's the beginning of the the games before Nintendo really defined who the Mario character would be. So there you are. Mm Yeah, and like I think I said before, it is kind of interesting to think about the idea of of, of a Nintendo uh, video game company before before Mario, but mm-hmm. it was a thing. Like like there was a there was Disney without Mickey Mouse, as mm-hmm. as hard as that may believe. Oh yeah, maybe to believe. But then the the centipede one, I remember you saying, yeah, yeah that yeah. was. It's creepy. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, like, because it's got all, it looks like a real, you know, I mean, a real-ish cartoony centipede, but then there's just, oh, man, it's just <laughs> creepy face, like, with the, you know, like, weird, upturned, human-looking nose and just this big, creepy smile and yeah, arms it's, reaching out. and uh, Yeah, it's going to swallow like your it. soul. Yes, <laughs> yes. Disturbing. But, yeah, uh, I don't remember. I know I played the Donkey Kong game for the Atari, and that was uh, average. Um, I don't remember playing Centipede, but I remember hating Pac-Man. But they've got some other games here. They've got uh, Centipede, Robotron 2024, Stargate, Dig Dug. And I can't tell what the yellow one is. because no, it's I so still can't either, but because it's that's really hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Stargate was that? Does that have anything to do with the uh, the film and uh, later television series? Uh, no, just, actually, no. Stargate was uh, it was kind of the sequel to the game Defender, where you played the little uh-huh. ship that you know fly, fly across the area. Except this time, instead of uh, 
and this time it had a little box that you could go into that was the Stargate that would warp you to, I think it warped you to an area where the aliens were picking up the little humanoids and trying to, you know, capture them. So that was the thing about the Stargate game. Mm. It was just basically a, a more advanced defender, basically. But mm. um, Defender was a pain in the ass game, especially in the arcade, because it had like, it had like six or so different buttons because you had thrust, fire, smart bomb, reverse, and then you had the joystick. And I, uh, it was it was a tough game to play. I never got into Defender. Um, now moving on to the next ad, which I said was the the top half page. There's a couple of uh, ads for you know the, just the hodgepodge type stuff, but the ad at the top is for Epic Illustrated which has uh, Jim Starlin's Dreadstar, uh, Silver Surfer by Stan Lee and John Buscema, and Marada the She-Wolf, a fantasy new sword and sorcery heroine created by the writer-artist writer team of Jim uh, Jim Bolton and Chris Claremont. Uh, uh, John, John Bolton? Yes, John Bolton. Yes. Yeah. yes. Jim Bolton. Isn't he like the... He was like the secretary of the UN or something. He was like the liaison to the UN. Maybe I'm thinking wrong. Oh, well, but yeah. No, no, actually, no, I, I, there was a, um, yeah, actually there was a John Bolton who was, yeah, yeah. I don't but think no, he's, no, yeah, this, 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 this of course that. is, uh, uh, the art or the, the art writer artist team that you will come to know and love from the crappy backup stories and classic X-Men. Hooray. Oh, well, yeah, I'll be looking forward to not reading that then. No, I mean, the, I mean, like, it's just, I mean, it's like reprints and stuff, but then there's, like, they have little, you know, backups that were, like, trying to fill in stuff, but a lot of them were really, really terrible. But the bottom, but yeah, sorry. The bottom yeah. half of the page is uh, an advertisement for Power Pack, the, uh, the comic book, and I guess that's starting out on uh, May 1st of this year. I never really read Power Pack. What was it, uh, what was going on with that? Uh, yeah, I've only I've only read like the first oh I don't know however however many issues are in the in the first uh, classic uh, paperback of that, but it's um, it's yeah no it's really good it's you know it's about like kids who uh, find a they 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 meet a like an alien prince who looks like a horse and who's being attacked by um, the evil race of of aliens and then he uh is is dying and so he he gives them uh like all portions of his powers and uh, then they use them to fight the evil aliens and it's, it's pretty fun sounds interesting yeah i've heard good things about power back and uh, it's got some uh, good pedigree it's got louise simonson uh june brigman and bob wycheck on the book so yeah mm-hmm. it's cool. yeah I, I mean definitely i would say if um you know any anybody who thinks it's just it's just a kid's comic it it, it it deals with some more dark and serious elements in there too but there's also a lot of, of fun one of those books that probably falls into the sort of pixar level of kids things where it's it's stuff that kids can enjoy but it also has you know and even the the grim fairy tales those were supposedly written for kids but those have a little darker meanings behind them as well so i think i think nowadays you know and this will be me doing my little bit of political ranting that nowadays we kind of coddle kids and want to make things too too nice and clean for them when kids you know they're tough they can handle this kind of stuff so having stuff that's you know I, i'm not saying that you should go out and read black as night kids but 
mm-hmm. you know, I think kids can take a little bit of the darker stuff if it's done in, you know, an, an intelligent way. I mean, look at, mm-hmm. again, I harken back to the Pixar films. They deal with, uh, you know, a, in Finding Nemo, in the first mm-hmm. five minutes of that film, you know, the mom gets killed and eaten. Uh, in Up, in mm-hmm. the first, you know, ten minutes of the film, the anta- or the protagonist's wife dies. So mm-hmm. yeah, these and, are and and like Wally is like set in a post-apocalyptic future, yes. so, and... <laughs> where the Earth is a giant garbage dump. So <laughs> so you know, the kids I think can can accept this kind of stuff. You know, they can deal with this kind of stuff so long it's provided in a manner that's you know not not condescending to them. So yeah, I I I probably gotta check out some Power Pack because I've yeah. heard really yeah. good stuff. I mean, yeah, don't 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 show your kids, uh, you know, Lucio Fulci movies or no. anything. But you know, but uh, they can. I think they can handle more than more than you think. I I certainly know I could when I was that age, and I, I would. Yeah, don't yeah. don't cut the kids out. Yeah. The next ad we've got is another uh, split half-page ad with the top being for Heroes World Collector Special. And they've got some Marvel DC magazine indexes and Marvel treasuries. Marvel treasuries for a dollar each. That's not bad. Uh, Fantastic Four number two, Doctor Strange. And Team America, one through six. So get on that, kids. Mm -hmm. It'll be great. It'll be so... So awesome. Mm-hmm. So great. In a way that it isn't no, at all. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. And of course, the <laughs> bottom half of this page is, again, another ad. And this must have gone on since, you know, time immemorial with grit. You know, mm-hmm. and Ziggy's, you know, creepy little bastard child hawking grit. Mm. Whatever. The, yeah. the next page, how the because next it's because it's because uh, uh, daddy just doesn't doesn't uh, <laughs> doesn't bring in enough money. He's a, he's a sad, he's a sad sack out there it. on the street in the middle of winter and his scarf and everything. Hawking grid. Poor little Ziggy's kid. Uh, the next page. This one is this one. I, I guarantee this is a scam. I don't know what the heck this is, but it says make up to two hundred and seventy five dollars or more extra per week working as a mailing list protection agent and you can get a lifetime registration certificate if you just send in what twenty five dollars cash check or money order oh this is a this has got to be a scam these people have got to be just pulling your leg and if anyone did this i pity you for losing your twenty five dollars yeah, the, the, uh, mm-hmm. this is the, this. Uh, you know, we've seen other things in the book, like you've said before, the 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 women's trouble or the girls' trouble thing here. But yeah, this this reeks of scam here. I don't have much to say about it. Yeah, I mean, there's something that there's like the you know trying to explain what it is, and but I I just say we move on. Yeah. On to the next bunch. The next bunch of ads isn't much better. It's the hodgepodge page, hodgepodge page with uh, uh, Jory LaForge, alien chick, and fakey Thor, uh, the weight gain, and the the you know uh, dynamic tension, Charles Atlas muscle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's yeah, there's a, the really cool little model things there for the yeah there is you know we don't really say the sort of Robotech or Gundam 
type models down there. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of neat. Um, after that, we have the bullpen bulletins page. The hype box, the hype box uh, promotes Alien Legion number one and graphic novel number nineteen with Rick Beach. It's uh, I think it's ten. Oh, number ten. Yeah, again, the inking in this is just so worn through. It doesn't really stay on this page, but yeah. yeah. Um, the checklist has some neat stuff. Uh, Marvel Tales repeating. Uh, the Man in the Crime Master's Mask from Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Uh, ROM number 55, Doctor Strange Classics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hercules Limited Series, I guess, is wrapping up with issue four. Like mm-hmm. like they said in the hype box, Alien Legion number one. Yes, uh, and I do like that. Yeah, the, I really want to try and find this thing. The, the graphic novel number 10 it sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. It's called a Heartburst, apparently, and it's... The, the description says, uh, Rick Veach wrote and drew this daringly different science fiction adventure tale set on a far distant Earth colony where people worship the sponsor. It stars a guy by the name of Sunoco Firestone. It's an outer space love story with commercial interruptions. And if you want to find out just what that means, you'll have to pick up the novel, won't you? Hmm. It does sound interesting, but yeah, the fact that they say commercial interruptions and the guy's name is Sunoco Firestone, so basically a <laughs> gasoline company and a tire company, that's that's kind of out there. But yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, well, that's right. I know, I know. I mean, knowing Rick Beach's work, certainly. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's there's going to be something uh, subversive and uh, oh, definitely interesting in there. And there's a there's also a nice little thing here that's talking about um this um from a word from Virginia Romita the uh, who is apparently their new uh, traffic manager right I don't know what that means but um uh, she is of course the uh, wife of John Senior and the mother of John Junior mm-hmm. and there's a there's a fun little story here where she and she says uh, John Senior who used to draw Spider Man was not one for being late but at what price. Way back when I was waiting to be driven to the hospital on John Jr.'s impending birth, Senior asked if he had enough time to finish up the comic page he was working on. I guess he never thought of making up some story for not turning it in. He should have consulted with his friend, the late Bill Everett, creator of Submariner. Bill was a creative genius. Once when he missed a deadline, he claimed that his pet hamster ate through six pages of finished penciled pages and never got indigestion. Now, no one could have made that up, or could they? Obviously, his hamster did not appreciate, uh, did not approve of comics as an art form. <laughs> now, I'm hoping Jim, uh, I'm hoping that uh, John Romita did not did not miss the birth of his son because he yeah. was drawing comics. That would be that would be a bad thing. But yeah, that man, maybe his dedication to the art form is just that great. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, and I guess also we say we have the. Uh, uh, apparently the story from last last time uh, continues in what if uh, uh, what if number 45 what if the Hulk went berserk again uh, it sounds like every Hulk story that I've ever heard yeah well it's uh, I mean you know maybe maybe they misprinted it and it's what if the Hulk played berserk and he just spent the entire issue in front of the uh, video arcade trying to get out of the uh, the maze and have the robot shoot at it. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be different. Though I think I feel like that might not 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 work out so well because I imagine you know once once things started getting hard, he would start 
he'd start punching the machine and then that'd be the end of that i would think yeah. i don't know if that could fill up two issues uh, probably not just a thought um last time out i don't remember them having a uh, a letters page but they've got a letters page this time and you know i could you know i guess they're praising us one i didn't really read through too many letters but they've got a little ad down here uh for power pack mm. again so they're they're hawking the heck out of that issue or that uh, out of that series so that's cool mm-hmm. uh the next page they have uh the 1982 low price offer for subscription 1984 yeah 1984 yeah i but they've got I don't know whether it's Maurice Severin or John Severin doing the art here because it's signed at the bottom by Sev, but mm-hmm. it's the Hulk in in a really awkward looking. It's, well, it's a like really... a baby New Year costume mm-hmm. with a with a, it's got a giant diaper with a giant uh, safety pin and a sash that says 1984. Mm-hmm. It's really bizarre, especially because you know the Hulk's feet look normal size. But his legs look all kind of wonky short. Mm-hmm. But still, it's still better than the, the um, one with the black guy we couldn't figure out holding up a tombstone. So, yeah, with uh, the kingpin and bullseye. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, not that. not as not as good as uh, uh, John Burns' uh, Inhumans Christmas, but still pretty good. Agreed. Uh, the back inside cover we've done before. It's the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons video game. It's I think the second one where mm-hmm. it's more of a, a dungeon crawler game where you're actually sort of doing a 3D trek through a dungeon and you turn left and right and encounter different things. So I guess that's kind of neat. The the artwork I think we commented on before is really nice here, but mm-hmm. covered it before. The the back outside cover, however, is another ad for the various video game systems and uh, the video game Popeye. Mm-hmm. Now, now, again, I know we described this before. Popeye is basically a... It's a lot on the lines of Donkey Kong. At the top of the screen, you've got, I think, olive oil, and she's throwing down hearts, and you have to catch them on these uh, like three different platforms before they fall into the water. And uh, you have to all the while avoid Bluto, who's throwing cans at you. And I think from the side, uh, what is it? There's the oh, if you look in the middle uh, on some of the screens, there's a punching bag that you can punch, and that'll fall and drop on Bluto, and you can incapacitate him every once in a while. But there's also on the side of the screens uh, little cans of spinach that if you punch that you can go and take out Bluto and you get like superpowers for, you know, a certain like 10 seconds of time. You can go take him out. But it, it again, it, it highlights the various different platforms on them. And some really good, like the Commodore 64 looks good. Mm-hmm. And the, Atari, the two high-end Atari systems, the 800 and the 5200 look pretty good. But man. That, yeah, that, the, the uh, especially the, yeah, the 2600 and the Intellivision, those look like. Wow, that was yeah, really bad. That's really blocky, and the ColecoVision looks pretty good as well. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other one, yeah, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred is awful. But the I mean, Popeye I mean, it's, yeah, the Twenty Six Hundred. I mean, you can hardly tell. I mean, from the graphic, I mean, like, um, the parts with the ladders and and uh, steps and things are just they're they're so close to the to the black of the screen that it's mm-hmm. just i mean they can't hardly make out anything at all and it's yeah, and 
that must must have been really frustrating, I would think. I don't think I played it on the 2600, and I think this may have been one of the reasons why. It just doesn't look good at all. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, this is more uh, Parker Brothers games, and last time we had, you know, they've got that Tutankham, Frogger, Cubert, and Super Cobra, which I think we've covered most of those games. But... I think I think all of them, actually, I think yeah. were, have, have appeared in uh, at some point. So, yeah. yeah, but that ends up these issues. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, the penultimate episode of uh, just one of them, their guys, and we've only got two more issues to cover. So we've got to figure out what the heck's going on with the highwaymen, what the heck's going on with these aliens, and whether or not U.S. Archer uh, resolves things. So, And plus, we've got the final issue with uh, Steve Ditko art. So... Mm-hmm. I think those are some things to look forward to. I'm I'm pretty excited and uh, seeing this wrap up. What about you, Jay? I I certainly am as well. It sounds seems like uh, uh, we 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 may not like it. We may not be satisfied, but it will certainly be incredible. <laughs> it will, so far, it's been a fun run. Mm-hmm. It's been in. It's been far more enjoyable than I thought it would be. So I can't wait to see what's gonna happen at the end. I'm looking forward to it. But that'll be coming up here in, again, a couple months' time. I I appreciate everyone downloading and listening to the show. Be sure to come back the next time out for the conclusion of the epic story of US-1 and Ulysses Solomon Archer in Just One of Them, Their Guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Just One of Them, Their Guys, a US-1 podcast hosted by Sean Engel and Jay Ferguson. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely to show everyone how cool it is to sit for long periods of time in the cab of an 18-wheeler while listening to an ever-changing radio station and popping no-dos like M&M's. All feedback to the show can be sent to the sister side of the show at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find the RSS feed for the show at the new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. You can also go to the Just One of the Guys section, and you'll find episodes there. The show is also on iTunes under the Just One of the Guys banner, as well as the all-new Two True Freaks number two. Go there, and be sure to leave a review. You can also reach me on Citizens Band Channel 19 if you're traveling through the great state of Oklahoma. Just give a shout-out for Wide Load Shawnee, and I'll chat the night away with you. However, you still won't find me on Facebook. Sorry, folks. But that's it for this time. Come back again next time for another episode of Just One of Them There Guys, a US One podcast. I'm westbound, just watch old bandit run. Hey, guys, you know, I completely forgot about this, so we're going to put this at the end of the show. Jay is actually working on a blog coming up and uh, possibly even a podcast coming up. Jay, do you want to go ahead and uh, plug that here? I completely apologize for uh, working on a on a blog called, uh, at least at this point, uh, called Double Action. And I'm doing uh, f- featuring comics from all the decades of comic history, at least uh, well, the 30s and 40s will sort of be... Uh, combined because there's I mean there's only there's there's not too much 
uh, from the thirties, but we'll, uh, and then, so, but so there'll be that. And then from, and then all the decades, um, uh, up to stuff that's coming out right now. I just want to, uh, and each, yeah, each, uh, weekday, hopefully I'll be doing, uh, uh, two, two different issues and, uh, it'll explore stuff from, all around the history of comics and uh, to show that there's uh, good stuff from all those times and that uh, maybe I'll introduce you to something that you didn't, that you didn't know about or that that, uh, passed you by or or things that you might know and love that uh, would be be interesting. I'm sort of tentative uh, for the thing, for the things that I'll be starting with as um, for the forties, I'll be doing the, uh, Golden Age Ventures of Wonder Woman uh, for the 50s, uh, this Barry Allen's uh, Adventures as uh, The Flash, the early stuff the, for the 60s, uh, Metamorpho for for the 70s. I'm not 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 quite sure yet. It'll probably be uh, either um, it, it, it'll probably be either a um, Spider Woman, Miss Marvel, She Hulk, or perhaps um, some uh, 70s Marvel horror comic. I'm not quite sure yet. Um, and uh, for the 80s, we'll be starting with uh, the Neil Gaiman, uh, Dave McKean miniseries Black Orchid, and uh, the and then then we'll go, I'll be going into the the Hercules uh, miniseries from around the same time as comics we're doing here. And and for the 90s, the wonderful Savage Drag- Dragon comic. Um, if You've never uh, thought thought uh, anything of it. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty great. The the arts the arts good, and um, uh, if you like Robert Kirkman's writing, uh, he uh, certainly uh, learned at the feet of Eric Larson. I'd say uh, the yeah. the writing the writing's pretty incredible. And uh, for the two thousands, I will be uh, starting with the wonderful. Uh, X-Force series by uh, Craig Kyle and Chris Yost that is has uh, great writing and gorgeous art and um, and uh, uh, for the current comics I'll be starting with the uh, the Deadpool series that's uh, running right now written by Brian Posehn and Jerry Duggan and with uh, art by Tony Moore so all sorts of uh, fun things are in store for all of us I think uh, sounds cool it, do you have a URL for it yet, or are you still just working on that? Uh, no, I'm not quite sure yet. Um, and probably I will be starting the first uh, the, the, the first entries will probably start coming out around the time of of our next episode of this show. Okay. And so I will um, hopefully by that time I should have a URL for everyone, and then that, uh, that they can uh, go look and and find it. Uh, right after they listen to the final episode of our wonderful magical show. And yep. um, I'm hoping to, yeah, to start a, a, a podcast that go, to go along with this. And I'll be um, starting, starting with the uh, uh, two Dracula series from, from the seventies. And uh, so, and I'm still looking for a co-host for that. So if anybody who's listening to this would be interested in, uh, I don't know, let me, let me know and I'll, I'll be glad to uh, see what we can do. And it'll Sounds be awesome. exciting. 
we will definitely plug that uh, more in our final episode. You know, when when things get more cemented in, you know, we'll mm-hmm. that in. so sounds like an awesome thing. Uh, I, you know, uh, the, the especially the early Wonder Woman stuff sounds like a bunch of fun. But mm-hmm. yeah, I can't wait to. I can't wait to check that out. And definitely we will uh, give you a lot more information once our final episode comes around. So Mm -hmm. thanks again for letting us know about that, Jay. Sounds cool. 